Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy. I am so excited that you're here today. Welcome to Last First Date Radio. We are a show about attracting and sustaining healthy relationships after 40. Every week, I love bringing you in-depth interviews with top experts and cutting-edge authors in the field of dating and relationships. And today, I am going to be speaking with therapist and podcast host, Matt Marr, about how to explore sexuality in a safe way. It's a really important topic. And as a dating coach for women over 40, I see this come up a lot. Um, People feel pressured to have sex before they're ready. They don't know how to express their own sexual needs. So this is so important. And one of my top, top things that I teach my clients and my and my audience is that you need to value yourself and know your standards before you enter any relationship and even before you date. Um, before you go on that first date, before you even get on that first phone call, know who you are, know what you need, know how you want people to treat you or you will be treated in the way that they choose to treat you, which is usually not going to work out. And believe me, I've been there, I've done that, and I'm done. Got the T-shirt. So um, I am all about helping women value themselves more. Of course, I believe men should value themselves more too, but I focus on women. And so my whole motto is you should be a woman of value. And here's my weekly tip on how to be a woman of value. Be a lifetime learner. I believe that to be somebody who is valued and values yourself, you need to always be learning and growing no matter what it is. You want to be an interesting person, you've got to get interested in stuff, what, you know, whether it's um, a new hobby or getting involved in groups like book clubs and growing your brain in new ways, keeping, keeping current, um, keeping your brain active, such an important part of life. So just a few more tips before we bring on Matt, and one is that um, I do have a free guide on my website, so if you have not yet gotten yours, then head over there right after the show at lastfirstdate.com and get my guide for the top 10 reasons why men suddenly pull away or disappear. Um, It's going to give you all 10 reasons plus how you can finally attract the love you deserve. So please stop Stop sabotaging your love life and start taking back your control by being a woman of value. And one last thing is that I do have a private Facebook group. It is called Your Last First Date, and it's um, you have to apply to get in. I do screen every single person. It's only for women who are over 40 who are single. So you're invited to join. It's a positive place of support. The conversation is juicy, positive, and fun. It's a place to share your struggles, your challenges, and also your triumphs. So I love this group. Again, it's called Your Last First Date in Facebook, Facebook groups. So now I'm going to introduce our special guest today, Matt Marr. He has been called the Gay White Oprah. I love that. After he received his master's in clinical psych from Antioch University in 2009, he has been helping people gain perspective and power in their lives. 
In his weekly advice podcast, The Dear Maddie Show, he dishes out advice on relationships, sex, fear, friends, job, even makeup. He's also a narrative therapist. He believes that our lives can be seen through a story metaphor with characters of fear, hope, depression, addiction, all contributing to our story, our narrative. You can find him at the Dear Maddie Show, DearMaddieShow.com. No dear. No, no the. Let me do that again. DearMaddieShow.com. So join us now as Matt discusses how to discuss sexuality in a safe way and how to rewrite your love story by letting go of the old stories that you have been telling. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. Exciting. Um, I have good to, to have say... another a podcast host and somebody who's a therapist and is really knowledgeable. And I love the whole narrative story thing, so I want to be able to have some time to talk about that too. But let's start out with sexuality and how to explore it in a safe way. So let's first talk about some of the challenges that people have in sex, you know, and 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 discussing sex. Mhm. Well, well, first off, too, just to go off because just I was listening like a little bird on the. And I have to say, I so agree with you what you said at the top of your show that I tell people all the time, men, women, uh, youth that I work with, that if that happiness is not and fulfillment is not something that you find down the road, it's something you cultivate now. And I love that you were saying that as far as like building your best self to bring to a date, to bring to a relationship. So, I and I'm. And I'm not saying that just to agree with you. I'm saying that I think that's such a common denominator for this conversation that we're having, that if this is all about building sexuality and a sense of a strong sexual self for your own self and, um, and, uh, and using that as a foundation before you enter in any type of sexuality with any, any partner at all. So I just want to mm. commend you on that. Oh, thank you. But yeah, it was some truth talk. I loved it. <laughs> We're all about the truth here at Last First Day Radio. We are all about the truth talk. Uh, but yeah, yeah to, but, just, but yeah, I think you know, in with talking with uh, women in sexuality, especially women over forty, you know, there's. Something that you know, I was thinking about what we were, I was going to talk about here, and. Uh, Last week I saw, because I think she was on the Grammy Awards, I saw a thing with like Jennifer Lopez. And I live in Los Angeles, and I'm also an actor, so I'm just I'm watching all that kind of stuff. But I saw so many um, people posting like on my social media and stuff, women and men, talking about, again, like just uh, how she's a quote-unquote cougar and all this type of language that she likes to date young men. And it really – maybe because I'm more – I've always tried to be a feminist, but maybe more in the wake of just kind of what's happening in our country right now. I'm more um, uh, uh, kind of tuned into that, and it really just offended me and sickened me about how – and so I thought about this in coming to your show, just how one of the things women I think are dealing with with sexuality, especially women over 40, are dealing with a, a lot of the culture telling them that they don't need to be or that it's not appropriate to be sexual at their age. Hmm. I don't know if you found that. It's just something I feel like is a – I'm really big in like 
and what kind of like maybe especially as a gay man growing up in the Oklahoma in the South, you know what what the culture was saying around me about homosexuality. It, it affected me inwardly, and I began to internalize that. And so, and that's a lot of what narrative therapy is actually looking at. Is we're talking about what are the different type of stories that are going around that you are internalizing and making your story. So, if any women are listening to this and they're thinking, you know, that anytime they think of something sexually for themselves, or if they even think about like they don't feel like they can talk about with any of their girlfriends or their partner or someone they're about masturbation or what they want in the bedroom i would ask them like is that a story that you've always that you created on your own or is that kind of a story that maybe were there other forces whether your parents or your 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 school or whatever whatever your tv show you watch your your religious institution where where are those stories coming from and are they are they a story you wrote for yourself or maybe somebody else wrote for you uh, yeah, I I love this discussion. So um, just thinking about, like, we all have a love blueprint that begins when we're very young. And we mm. have blueprints for everything. Our money blueprint, our, the way we look at life starts from mm-hmm. a very young age, and we don't, we're not even conscious of the stories. So I do think that we, we can't help but be influenced by the messages that took place in our own homes, um, in our religious institutions, on TV. I think, you know, as an adult, we get to really ma- like look at those things through a magnifying glass and say, you know, mm-hmm. how do I choose now to see my life? But so many people are not even aware of those stories. So if you grew up in a home like I did where um, our, my parents had a very contentious marriage with a lot of screaming and yelling, and um, my mother put my father down a lot. Um, and so mm-hmm. the message often was, men men don't show up for you. Um, you know, men are lazy. There, there were a lot of these subconscious messages that I had to undo mm-hmm. and untangle. So, mm-hmm. and sexuality... Can be can come in so many forms. So many people have parents like the the role models were, you know, kind of puritanical or overtly sexual or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so how are some ways people can unpack their stories from from childhood from from their past? Well, you know, I think one way is. Um, Again, you know, not everything is going back in your childhood, but a lot of what you were saying I totally is right on, especially, you know, we are sexual beings from as babies. I mean, baby as a, you know, babies are even, and it's a different type of sexuality, but as far as like our bodies and feeling and touch and what feels good and what doesn't, even as young children. So, and what the message, I love that word blueprint you use because we do, we get this blueprint very early. So, and, you know, a lot of times, too, people think, oh, you're a therapist. Let me talk to you about my problems. But one of the things about narrative therapy and what kind of we position ourselves as, we believe, one, two things. One, we're not the expert. That the client, um, a patient, is they are the expert of their life. I'm not there to tell them what to do. So I truly believe that they they are able to cultivate all their own answers. And, two, we also we do look at problems, but we also want to look at what's working and what are solutions. And I know that for me – and if I'm just using my own story as far as, you know, I grew up Catholic in Oklahoma, southern Oklahoma. I luckily had a very supportive family, but um, our mom and dad at least that, you know, told me they loved me and things like that. 
But again, nobody kind of understood this whole – nobody understood this little two-year-old boy with a lisp who was obsessed with Wonder Woman and was very feminine. <laughs> you know, so Linda Carter was my girl. I still love her to this day. But, um, <laughs> she's a great girl. <laughs> she's a great girl. Um, so, but, you know, when I – so when I look back at, like, you know, a lot of times um, working with a lot of uh, gay male clients and uh, lesbian clients um, – or you know, a lot of times there's this kind of internal – there can be what's called an internalized homophobia or like this internal hatred of being gay, and a lot of people you know, could, um, could speak about that. And I thought that just didn't make sense to me. And so as a narrative therapist, I started to go back and look. We want to look at when were things working well. When, so it's not just the problems, but we want to kind of dissect your solutions. We want to look at the things that are great in your life because when you dissect a, when you dissect a strength – then you know how to combat the problem story because you have the strength story. And so for me, I really looked back and I thought, you know, I remember being like four or five years old and knowing not necessarily that I was like sexually attracted to men, but I know I remember like like watching guys on TV and thinking he was handsome. And like I would think, you know, I'd watch The Little Mermaid and I thought Prince Eric was way more, you know, uh, was way more dreamy than The Little Mermaid. And I knew that at a very young age. And... And I thought nothing was wrong with that because it was just my natural instinct. So I would say for women, think about when you're in your story of sexuality, when was the first time you remember feeling either joy or feeling excitement or feeling self-love through your own sexuality? And because sometimes when we think about when was that, that, that first moment of, of kind of of that awakening in you or you realizing it and feeling happy about it, then often when, that's when you can also trace when, when problem stories started kind of trying to hijack your own story. Hmm. So first go to the positive story when things were working. And so remembering that first sexual awakening and that feeling and feeling good about it, and then to go to when did something feel off or wrong or bad is that the next step yeah it can be because you know i think people will find you know i do i'm a i'm a big fan of journaling a big fan of do that with my classes and with the you know i'm a, a lot of again in narrative we do like you know um doing some writing exercises um but what i've found is when people realize in sex i think almost more than anything but especially a lot for women some women are so – their story has been hijacked so much about sexuality being, um, uh, being – having a negative connotation that they can't – that they never – they're almost – they're conditioned to always – it's like classical condition, conditioning like Pavlov and the dogs. You know, they, the Pavlov rang the bell and the dogs became hungry, and, that, and that's what mm-hmm. he studied. But it's almost like women hear the word sexuality or sex, and they immediately start to feel – bad about it or they start to feel like they can't talk about it or they start to feel like it's a dirty subject and so it's looking at but we're not programmed that way and so when people can go back and whether it's through journaling or just really thinking about when was the first time I experienced joy as a sexual self and passion and whether it's in for themselves or in a relationship often they'll find oh my instinct wasn't to think negative about this my instinct is that this is a good thing. And so when you realize that, it's empowering. And so I think when you have that empowerment, then we can start to tease out different stories. So I know that, like, you know, as a gay man, you know, I have, 
I've been in a relationship. Uh, I was single for about 15 years as an adult, and I'm 38, and I just have been in a relationship for about two years, so really my first one. But I remember kind of a narrative I take on is that gay men are promiscuous, and they don't really settle down, and um, that, you know, you don't really – you don't really step into loving relationships. And then I'm, but I thought about as myself when I was younger and kind of what I valued and as a teenager what I valued and was looking for. Yes, I was interested in sex and things like that, but I was really interested in connection. Um, I mean, as somebody who loves Oprah and loves, you know, self-help and loves this type of conversation, I thought, what was, why wasn't I, why, what was wrong? And I realized that a lot of it for me was, I'd really kind of believed everybody around me was in this kind of cycle of, you know, being promiscuous, which is fine if that's what you want to be. But I realized for me I wanted to be more connected in a relationship and build an emotional connection because I was really good at building the sexual one. So that, I don't know if that helps people. I can't – again, I, I always feel like I have to use my own story, and hopefully some people see themselves in that because, um, again, as a man, I feel like I can relate to sexuality – not in the same way, but a similar way as a gay man that, like women, gay, what I was um, instinctually interested in sex was shunned upon, and I was told that was wrong and, you know, looked down upon at a very young age. And I've had – it's interesting. Most of my women clients, we relate a lot of that similar experience. Mm. No, I think it's great to share your experience, and I appreciate it. And I, I do believe that people find themselves – in our stories, I mean, I'm I, I'm a huge believer in um, in getting better at telling your stories because I think that it's important for people to hear them. Um, mm-hmm. We all learn from each other. I'm a I'm a big I'm a member of Toastmasters, and I'm actually speaking I love tonight. Toastmasters. Do you? Oh yay! Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I was a horrible, horrible public speaker, and um, and I was really hiding myself my whole life because I had a belief from my childhood that I was terrible at speaking and acting and I was an artist and I was quiet and I did quiet things you know and so when when we'd have plays I was overlooked for any of the big parts because I had a quiet voice and Mm. I realized a few years ago that if I was going to be successful in my life and especially in my career that I had to learn to overcome both my old story plus my fear. And for me, mm. the why the why became bigger than the fear, you know, my message, my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to share our stories. I mean, years ago I could never have done a podcast and I could never have gotten on a stage and d- delivered a TED Talk like I did four years ago. So that's coming from <laughs> the world-class terrible speaker. Um, so we, we mm. can keep ourselves really small. And um, mm-hmm. so I love that, that you found your truth and that connection was really important to you and you went after it and found the relationship that you wanted. Um, mm-hmm. Because we, we can easily fall into what we think society wants of us or what we think even our partner wants from us mm-hmm. when it's not what mm-hmm. we really want. So let's say, mm-hmm. let's go to a, a real-life situation in dating, and this comes up a lot, where people are paced differently. And in heterosexual relationships, I'm not sure if this is true in gay relationships as well, but um, I have a feeling that, you know, there's always some, there's always more of a dominant or a, um, somebody with masculine energy and somebody with feminine energy in any relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I would imagine that in any relationship there's usually somebody who wants to be sexual before the other one is ready. Um, mm-hmm. And so how how do you suggest that the person who wants the other person to slow down have that conversation? You know, I think, and if if we're, I think that's a great scenario, and it ha- and because it happens a lot, and as again, just being being the typical gay best friend to a lot of straight women, I I hear it a lot. <laughs> um, but you know, um, but it's not. But I don't want to just say it's not necessarily women that are wanting to hold off on the sexualness because I have had a cover, couple of conversations with my girlfriends other where they're like they're like ready to get and do it and that their boyfriend is like a little more timid. So, um, yeah, yeah. It can uh, work both ways. My last relationship was like that actually. Good for you. Um, (laughs) so yeah, so so, yeah, I definitely think one thing is, you know, I always have these conversations. So when you are having a conversation that is potentially, um, could be, uh, I don't know why I use this word, but I do, when it potentially can be a little radioactive <laughs> and you, you feel like it could, you know, be problematic. I often talk about, I do this with my, I do this with clients when I have to speak with them about something that's uncomfortable. I do it with my boyfriend. I try to do it with my family. Um, I've done mm-hmm. a lot of with, with people I disagree with lately about politics, but kind of going into the conversation, I say, this is my intention. When I'm talking to you right now, this is my intention for this conversation. So if you started out this conversation with someone said, okay, I want to talk to you a little bit about our sex life, and this is my intention in this conversation. What I hope comes from this conversation is I want to feel more connected to you. I want to feel more understood by you. I want to understand you better. I want to feel closer to you, and I want us to experience a more feeling of love between each other after we have this conversation. Mm. So already, now we're setting up what we want the conversation to be. Instead of just jumping in and saying, so I don't want to have sex right now. Because <laughs> right. if you start off with that, then many people are going to get defensive because they're going to, yeah, they're going to be like, ah, they think I'm ugly. They think I'm fat. They think I'm <laughs> right. gross. They don't love me. I mean, I would too. But if you start this conversation with, I do love you. I do care about you. I want to be close with you. And I want to hold off on having sex right now. Then they're often they're still going to be listening when you say because I want to you know whatever your reasons are for that whether it's your own reasons or whether um, I'm thinking actually of a I won't say names because first of all I was thinking of you know one of my uh, good friends was in a relationship where a woman wanted to hold off dating and I kept saying to him all the time I'm like. Dude, it's not you. It's not you. I'm telling you, it's not you. Just have a conversation. And we finally talked to her about it, and she talked about sexual abuse that she has experienced and how she still is triggered by that. And then they ended up – they're married now. They had this great conversation about that. So wow. I think it's always an opportunity to uh, – you know. and so if you're listening to this and you are – if you're in a relationship with a guy who is telling you – I want to wait to have sex or, you know, something like that. Don't assume it's something – don't assume it's about you. Um, always inquire of what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. I mean, I, I totally agree with you on this, that the intention for any tough conversation is essential. And because 
you know, in my past, the conversations were all about, let me get this off my chest and dump it on you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't work really yep. well. And, no. we, we, you know, if you really are having this conversation because you care about somebody, you got to let them know. And it's so essential. I mean, you know, the the other day, my son... My son lives with me. He's 25, and he he and I have very intense conversations. And I'm able to say to him, you know what, you um, when you just made fun of the way I sang because he did that the other day, I said that really felt it felt bad. Um, and he said my intention was not to hurt you. And I said I know that, but I'm telling you that um, you know I was made fun of a lot for different things, especially in my marriage. And so these are trigger points for me. So if you can please not do that, that I would really appreciate it. So, you know, we were able to talk mm, it through beautiful. at first, you know. So it's, it's you know, great practice. We all have opportunities to practice these conversations with the people in our lives every single day. Um, yep. And not, not to just be quiet and stuff your emotions when you have something important to say and look at the example you shared where they're married today. <laughs> I mean, that could mm-hmm. have easily ended because of assumptions that weren't true. Exactly, exactly, exactly. 100 million percent agree. Yeah. Oh boy, it's 25 after already. <laughs> that happened. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you were fun to talk to, Matt. Oh, thank you. You too. Thanks. Thanks very so, much. Yeah, so, I, we were going. I didn't realize. Yeah. So let's let's get some nuggets to end the show with. Um, just some mm-hmm. really important things that you want to share with our audience about sexuality and and the importance of having these discussions. Anything that you can share with us? You know. Again, I'm, I swear you didn't pay me to come on and just talk about all the awesome things you're doing. <laughs> I just, in listening to him, and I listened to an episode a little bit just to prepare and coming to this. Um, I, you know, I love individual therapy. I think it's great for people to have it, um, and it's a great resource. But I have to say that through my own practice, uh, personal and also professional, I'm really a big fan of group therapy and 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 kind of immersing yourself in a supportive environment so first of all i want to tell people if you've been on the fence about this please join this facebook live group because the private group because when you told me about that that is such a fantastic community and i feel like i don't believe in this um i don't believe in the whole thing that we're in an individualist society and that we all do things on our own i think that's i think that's bs I think that you know uh, anybody, whether they admit it or not, was had a support group or at least a person, that one person that kind of really catapulted their life and enabled them to be happy or successful or whatever that word is for them. So, so my big, I think my big nugget is get support. Find people that you can that you can talk about your sexuality with, whether you're coming out as as queer or lesbian or uh, gender fluid or trans or whatever, Um, or um, if you just want to talk about just simple sexuality stuff, like just about, you know, what uh, masturbation, or if you've, you know, there's a lot of women talk about um, my own podcast. Ironically enough, I didn't plan it this way, but that I'm airing this week. I talk with uh, a sex expert, uh, Dr. Jen Gonzalez, and we're talking a lot about, like, 
uh, she did a documentary about masturbation, how a lot of women didn't even really know how to masturbate, you know, and um, being able to talk about those kind of things and not just in yourself and not just read it on a book, but be able to talk about it with other women that are supporting you, that is huge. And, cause, and, and be able to do that, to talk about the, your own sexuality with the group is going to enable you uh, to talk about your sexuality with a partner. I've, I, we were talking before the show started that, you know, one thing that I do think is great for th- a place for therapy is that often it's the first time sometimes I've experienced it where couples have t- told their partner in front of their therapist sexually what they want out of a relationship because they need a safe place to feel um, feel that they can do it. And that might not be because they don't feel safe with their partner. It might be their back history of, you know, maybe they were shunned by their parents or whoever raised them or their wherever that you don't ever talk about this. So they needed to kind of have this person saying, okay. Um, but that's my big nugget in this is find support, whether through a Facebook Live group, whether through a women's group or a therapist or find some support where you can explore these things and feel safe and validated. Awesome. Well, thank you for the shout-out, too, and I couldn't agree with you more about support and community. I think people who have community feel less alone. Um, It Mm -hmm. it normalizes um, the Mm -hmm. kinds of thoughts that you have. I mean, this is what I see over and over again. I thought I was alone, and now I can see other people are sharing in this experience. And in terms of masturbation, I I mean, you know, I have – had clients come to me in their 60s who are just learning now that masturbation exists and how amazing yeah, it is that, like, to learn your body yeah. and oh my god so important or like don't buy like a, a dildo or like a, a toy like they feel so much you know uh angst or um shame um mm-hmm. about that it, and and um and so it's just it's you know i Maybe two because I'm 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 not lazy, but I like to work smartly. And when if I'm in a client with an individual session, it literally takes me months of getting them to this place of feeling normalized, like you were saying. Whereas mm. in group therapy, that can be fixed in five minutes as soon as they share their story, and one person in the group says, "Oh man, I totally relate to that because I do this and this and this." Just the energy that I see, how quickly that that shifts for them, it's huge. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll share one quick little story about something like that. I, I used to run these art workshops because I'm an artist and I wanted to combine mm-hmm. my coaching and my art. And so there were these painting workshops where people would come and they'd be get, we would do a guided meditation first to really get them mm. centered and let go. And then I would give mm-hmm. them giant pieces of paper and tempera paints in like 12 different colors and all sizes of brushes and sponges and just release them with the paint and just play, just have fun and let go. And what came of it was people would discover, like you were saying before, you don't, you're, not in, you're not the person who knows the client's story as well as the client. And the client mm-hmm. and the person in the workshop would discover their own process, their own um, what was really going on deep inside by, by letting go. And they kept putting, they would put their paintings down on the floor when they were done. And at the end, I had everybody go over to the painting that spoke to them the most and just walk over, get pulled in, and talk about why you were drawn to the painting. And one time, it, the whole theme was orgasms, vibrators it was just Mm. like people started having this conversation and it was people of all ages 
just feeling comfortable to, oh, my God, I have that vibrator, too. You know, it was like, mm, it was so great. so normalizing. One, I, so normalizing. This one woman who was in her late 60s and maybe even 70s, she was just painting these big, giant, like, blue colors. She said, this is like an orgasm. This, I mean, it was like, I mm. loved it. I mean, people were discovering that they had to leave relationships and that they had to leave a job. And, I mean, finding out their own truths, really amazing stuff. Art, art therapy, is, that's a whole other thing. Art, I did co-therapy once, and one of my traineeships was a woman who was an art therapist. And it, it's amazing. That's all I'm going to, that's yeah. a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I was I was an art therapy major in college um, for a while, and then I I ended up becoming a fine arts major because I didn't like the way art therapy was taught at the time. But I'm a big mm. believer in self-expression in whatever way yes. you can find to let it flow. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, um, and people can find you at where at the oh, Dear Maddie Show. At Dear Maddie, yeah, Dear Maddie one? Show, and it's M A T T I E. So Dear Maddie Show dot com. Our social media is the Matt Marr, M-A-T-T-M-A-R-R, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, they can find me on those things. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, delight. Andy. I loved it. Loved it, loved it. Yeah, me too. Thanks, everybody, for listening today, and I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. 